Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We exist to reach, disciple, and empower people to live in the fullness of God. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out online by simply going to lifefamilychurch.net. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Are you all happy this morning? Aren't you glad you're in the house of God? Did you know Sunday church is a time where you refuel spiritually? That's what it's for. It's for us to refuel, be with family kind of thing. and It's awesome. Um, people ask me all the time, what kind of church do you Are you Pentecostal? Please don't call me Pentecostal. Are, are you charismatic? Don't call me charismatic. Are you Baptist? Don't call me Baptist. Are you Presbyterian? Don't call me Presbyterian. Are you Methodist? Don't call me Methodist. And what are you? We're born again, spirit-filled, full of the Holy Ghost and power, born again Christians. That's what we are. We are not a milk church. Only. Come on, hello. We want some milk, and then you have to go to meat. Can you say amen? So we don't believe in religion or tradition. We don't believe that you have to work things up to go to heaven. You have to be born again to go to heaven. You receive a free gift. You ask Jesus into your heart. Guess what? You're born again. Praise God. You go to heaven. We also believe in the gifts of the Spirit. They're actually for today. Can you believe that? The working of miracles, the gifts of healings, the gift of faith. We believe the the gifts of spirit are in operation today. They have not been done away with. We also speak in other tongues, according to the book of Acts chapter 2. That doesn't mean we're Pentecostal. Pentecostal is a man-made term for the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost was a Jewish feast holiday. It just so happened that on that day, the Holy Ghost fell in the temple in an upper room and 120 people got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. What does that mean? The evidence, I believe, according to the scripture, the evidence that you've been baptized with the Holy Ghost is that God will give you a heavenly language, which is actually distinguished from the gifts of the Spirit, which is tongues and interpretation of tongues in a congregational setting. We believe that we have to live by faith. Amen. Faith is, is the main thrust of the ministry. We also believe in winning souls. We believe in soul winning. We believe also in crusade evangelism. I am a crusade evangelist. We also have another evangelist here with us. Zach Bowie's with us today. He's from Illinois. Uh, Friday, I got a chance to be with uh, Daniel Kalinda. How many know who Daniel Kalinda is? How many don't know who Daniel Kalinda is? Let me tell you who Daniel Kalinda is. Daniel Kalinda is the one who took over Reinhardt Bonnke's ministry. How many are familiar with Reinhardt Bonnke? How many are not familiar with Reinhardt Bonnke? Where have you been? Where have you been? I know you've been on Facebook way too much. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> Reinhard Bonnke is an evangelist from Germany who's now in America. And in one service, in one of his crusade services, he had 1.6 million people. It was phenomenal. You ought to see the video footage. So I got a chance to spend some time with Daniel King, Daniel Kalinda, and a group of hand-picked brand new young evangelists that are actually going into Africa in the next few weeks, anywhere between from one week to seven weeks, and they're going to do what I call crusade strikes, strike crusades, 
where they go in with a truck and they open up a truck bed or they just go in with a, a loudspeaker, set it up and start preaching the gospel from village to village to village to village. So I got a chance to sit in on that all day long. I was so stirred. Oh my gosh, I was really, really stirred. And then you begin to think, well, you know, what kind of church are we? That's what we are. We preach the word of God. We believe in holiness. We're not afraid to tell people you got to live holy. Praise God, you got to live pure. Because all we're really telling them is what the word of God says. So we believe in worship. We love to worship God. We don't believe in entertainment. We believe in entire participation in the body of Christ. Fortunately for everyone, we'll be singing with the angels all together, no matter what denomination you are. Praise God in heaven. Praise God. There's no, there's no Pentecostal Street and Methodist Avenue or Baptist Circle. I'm sorry. He doesn't divide all that kind of stuff. No, man has caused all that division, not God. Can you say amen? Come on, somebody say amen. So if that's the kind of church you're looking for, hey, look no further. Praise God. Amen. We have miracles that happen on a regular basis here. Regular basis. I can't tell you anything. I mean, from tumors to blind eyes to you name it. We just, we've been, lately, we've been running with these prayer claws. Okay, according to the book of Acts chapter 19, it says that God wrought special miracles through the hands of Paul. The handkerchiefs were taken from his body and laid on the sick. So we've been praying together at the end of the We'll do it here then because as long as miracles and testimonies keep coming in, we're going to keep on doing it. So the latest miracle was this. There's a, a young couple. They say that this is their church, and they wrote in and said, hey, listen, we have a friend who is in kidney failure. <laughs> a friend who's in kidney failure. Will you send a prayer cloth? So sure enough, last week, we, everybody prayed for him. And they went and gave this person um, in the hospital this prayer cloth. And the doctor said that their, their kidneys were only operating 50% and that it was probably going to get worse. And they probably, you know, your kidneys fail ultimately unless you get on dialysis or whatever, you die. So, after, so this lady kept that prayer cloth on her body 24-7, slept with it and everything. And within three days, it went from 50% non-operational to 80% operational. And so she's going to keep that going. Amen. And of course, you know, we had that tumor in um, the dog. The pet dog had a tumor in the ear that went to the brain. It was a visible tumor. Blaze, that's right, Blaze. And he was, listen, when God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, he actually means that. <laughs> Praise God. It, it doesn't matter if it's human flesh or dog flesh. Come on, hello, somebody. I mean, God, listen, God knew we needed friends, so he created dogs. Come on, hello. Dogs rule, cats drool. Praise God, amen. I'm just kidding. I, he didn't say cat. I, dog. And anyway, dog backwards is God. So there you go. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> There's some, I think there's some deep theological thing. To, no, there isn't, praise God. So that's who we are. So we, we train people up to win the lost. Why is that? We want you to have a soul winner's crown. We want you to have a robe of righteousness. We want you to have a soul winner's crown. And the most amazing thing, I preach out of the Bible here. I actually have three versions of the Bible. Can you imagine that? I actually opened my Bible as a preacher. I wear a tie. Can you imagine that? I wear a suit on Sunday morning. Praise God, I wear a tie. So why, why, do, you, why do you do that? Because I'm an ambassador from heaven. I represent heaven. Come on, hello, somebody. Now, Sunday nights, you know, I'll wear a casual, no tie, maybe nice jeans and a shirt and a jacket and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, kind of try to stay in the middle of the road. But I just believe that I represent heaven. Come on now. People are looking for us. 
Why is that? Because we have the answers to their problems. Can you say amen? We have the answer to their cancer problem. We have an answer to their diabetes problem. Can you say amen? Yeah, so that's who we are. That's, if you want to be a part of that, hey, stick around. It's never a dull moment for sure. Can you say amen? All right, open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Galatians. Yes, ma'am. Come on. Come up here so everybody can hear you. You don't? Okay, let me bring the microphone to you. Hold on. Let me bring the microphone to you. Hi. Go ahead. I actually witnessed months ago um, the anointed cloth and my granddaughter, Alexia, telling me what she did. And, you know, she came to church and you guys prayed and she put the cloth on blaze. I was amazed to see what I saw. And I really thought it was, he was going downhill. And I really came out of state. And when I saw that, I thought I was going to have to say goodbye to him. Well, when I came here, I actually came from Maine and didn't know it that night, but I had a tick on me. The tick was removed the wrong way, but I also was diagnosed afterwards with Lyme. But I saw what that cloth did, and I don't tell of anybody what's going on with me because I like to give blessings and I don't speak of the negativity. So I saw what had happened with Blaze, and I kind of had my own intentions of coming on a Sunday night. And you put your hand on me, and you prayed. You didn't know what you were praying for, but you said healing and all that. And I had later went back, and I got diagnosed with the Lyme and so forth, but I remembered the healing and what you had said to me, and you said your last word was, take it. And I kept thinking, take it, take it. And then it all came, made sense, and I fought Lyme. I didn't have it for, I still have it, and I'll always have it, but it didn't overtake me. So I just wanted to tell you that. I heard a testimony on the radio that I was listening to Caleb, and it actually said, if something has good has happened to you that your pastor brought upon you, you must go to him and give him your testimony to let him know that. So. Well, that's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, we're going to take care of that Lyme disease today. We're going to make sure it leaves you. You know, uh, when I did a crusade in Mexico, I, I caught malaria. How many know what malaria is? Okay. Malaria is a blood disease. And it's a, listen, I was told many years ago, you're not a true missionary unless you get malaria once. I'm like, well, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Get that once. But I got malaria. And uh, it actually, it took about a year to fully recover. And I, I mean, it was killing my gallbladder. So I was having gallbladder issues and I actually had a nurse practitioner tell me that um, because they didn't know what was wrong. I mean, they thought maybe I had gallstones or something like that. But what happens is it's a blood parasite that incubates in the liver. And after 30 days, the parasite is released into your body. And then when it dies, it leaves a toxin. And that toxin kills the white blood cells in your body. So therefore, what happens over a period of time the body can't produce enough white blood cells, so therefore you ultimately die, kind of thing. And so, um, yeah, it took about a year of believing God, and then because they put me on like a hardcore like antibiotic called doxycycline, which is supposed to be like, yeah, 40, 40 days. I was on a 40 days, and that messed me up alone, just, just that, because it's such a hardcore antibiotic. But I am totally healed, and I still have my gallbladder, and I don't have any more problems. Praise God from that. So God is our healer. Can you say amen? amen. Nothing's impossible. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, real quickly to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 6. 
I'm going to read to you out of the Passion Translation of the Word, Galatians chapter 6. And we're going to pick it up in verse number 6. Galatians 6 6. If you're there, say yay. Okay, Galatians chapter 6 out of the Passion Translation says this And those who are taught the Word must share all good things with their teacher. And sharing of wealth takes place between them. So watch this. It's the wealth of the word that's being imparted. Therefore, God blesses your finances. Your finances increase. Then therefore, in return, you tithe and give offerings. That's the sharing of wealth. He goes on to say here, Make no mistake about it. God will never be mocked. For what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. What you plant will be the very thing that you harvest. The harvest you, re- you reap reveals the seed that was planted. If you plant a corrupt seed of self-life into this natural realm, you can expect to experience a harvest of corruption. So what is he saying here? Is if you plant your finances, because you know you work 40, 50, 60 hours a week, and if you don't tithe and give offerings and you take the tithes and offerings and you plant it into your self-life, guess what, guess what you're going to reap? You're going to reap corruption. Yeah, that's the reason why a lot of Christians, most Christians suffer financially because they're not applying the Word of God to their lives. Somebody asked me the other day, why has God blessed you so much? I said, because in the tough times I tithe and gave offerings, and in the good times I give tithes and offerings. We have never not tithed. As a matter of fact, I would tithe over paying the bills. The most amazing thing would happen, not one bill was never paid on time. And we never not ate. I mean, in the worst. And the worst was this. The roaches one day packed their bags, lined up, and walked out. And they said, we're going to your neighbor. There's more crumbs over at their house than there is here. That's a pretty bad, that's a pretty bad day when the roaches leave. They pack their bags and walk out the door. Yeah. Now, we got to a point there was only one can of tomato soup in our house. Yeah, we were in Bible college. I thought I knew a lot about faith, so I decided to go to Bible college. My God, help us. There was one day, and, and we were just believing God, believing God, believing God, believing God. And instead of complaining about the situation, we began to worship God through the situation. And there was a, we, we got out of class, and we went home, and there was only, I said, what do we have to eat? And she said, the cupboard's bare. We only have one can of tomato soup. I said, have the boys eaten today? They said, yes, the boys have eaten. I said, okay, well, let's share this for lunch. And I remember when, 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 I, when we sat down to eat lunch, and I started to weep. And, my, and Marie asked me, she said, babe, why are you crying? I said, well, because what I learned today. You know, because have you ever been taught a, a falsity, and you came into the knowledge of the truth and then got mad about it? Yeah, I got mad about it. I was taught something false, and then I came into the knowledge of the truth, and I got mad about it. And then the Lord said, you know, just pray for my pastors. They're only operating in the knowledge that they have. And I was like, okay. So I left the house, you know, weeping. Went to this one house to do a job that I did because I had a carpet cleaning and repair business. And we, we took that to Bible school with us. And so I remember getting a phone call. And this one particular customer wanted us to run a cable underneath a door threshold and ask me how much I'd charge. And I said, well, I'd charge you 10 bucks. I mean, it's going to take me about 10 minutes to do it. They said, well, I don't want to pay $10. I was like, oh, okay, $5. That means it's not going to take me too long. No, 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 I'm going to give you 25 And I'm like, well, okay, that's good. 
Then she asked me, she said, well, do you, you know, after, clean, after you clean the carpet of the house and all that kind of stuff, what do you charge to clean the carpet of the house? And I said, well, it's $45. And they said, well, no, we, we don't want to pay $45. I said, well, you know, okay, I'll do it for $35. They said, no, we want to give you $65. I'm like, oh, well, okay, this is good, $25, $65. We're, we're, we're getting better. It's getting better. Praise God. <laughs> getting much better. And then the husband came down and he said, do you clean cars? And I said, yeah, we, you know, upholstery and all that kind of stuff. He said, well, good. I got two car vehicles in the garage. Once you finish the carpet, he said, I want you to go out and clean the cars. Well, how much you charge me? And I said, well, we'll charge $35 per car. And he said, well, I don't want to pay $35 per car. And I was like, okay, I can give you a discount. Look at my thinking here. $25. You, and when, you, when the cupboard's bare, baby, the cupboard's bare. He said, no, I'm going to pay, pay you $65 a car. I said, oh, $65 a car, that, that'll work for me. I mean, we're like 85 and 65. I was like, okay, that's 130 right there. And we're, man, we're over $200 right now. This is getting really good. So I finished all the work, and he came down, and he said, well, he said, how are you doing? He said, I understand you're a Bible school, school student. I said, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing, praise the Lord. My God shall supply. He said, don't give me that. Tell me how you're really doing. You know, sometimes how we do, you know, when things are really bad, we just, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm rejoicing with the angels in heaven. They have all their needs met. I'm believing. Praise God. Amen. He said, how are you really doing? I said, it's really, really tough. I mean, the, more, the rent's due, and, and I got three days where they're going to start eviction, and, and my school payment's due, and the electric bill is due, and... He said, where are you from? I said, we're from Tampa, Florida. And he said, oh, yeah. And he said, oh, yeah, I do. thank you for reminding. My, my phone bill has doubled since the time we've lived here in Tulsa. He said, why is it double? I said, because my wife calls home every single day. Praise God. Amen. So that's double. And he said, well, this is what I want to do. He said, how much do you need? And I said, well, I'm not sure. But he said, tell me what's due. And I said, well, the school payment's due. That's $460 for the school payment. And, and then the rent's due, and that was $430. And then he's like, the electric bill's due. That was $150. So he reaches in his pocket, pulls out this wad of money. And he said, here's the first school payment, you know, three, four, five. And he said, I'll take, care of, I'll take care of next month, too. And boom, 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 boom. He said, how much is your rent? I said, this month. And he said, okay, I'll take care of this month, and I'll take care of next month. And then by this time, I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I'm holding back to tears. You know? I'm like, <laughs> and he goes, how much is your electric? And I said, this. And he said, okay, I'll do it this. And he said, you need groceries? I said, yes, sir. He said, I have a benevolence ministry here in Tulsa. We get fresh fruit in every week. He said, I want you to come down. Every single week for the next two years and fill your truck up with free groceries. And he said, besides that, he said, he opened up his wallet, pulled out the ministry gas card. He said, I want you to fill your truck up every week for the next two years. Now, by this time, I'm like, ah! you know, I'm bawling. Now, I left the house crying and now I'm bawling, okay? And God totally supplied every need. So I, I walk home, right? And I'm like, I got a pocket full of money. Listen, guys, you know it's a good day when you got a pocket full of money. I'm just going to tell you right now. You know, it's not, it's not a good day when you don't have a pocket full of money. But I had a pocket full of money that day. So I walk in, I walk in, I walk in into, into the apartment, and Marie is sitting on the couch, and she's watching Catherine Coleman on the, on the TV. So I come walking in, and I got tears in my eyes running down. She's like, oh, babe crying again and I reached in my pocket pulled out that water money threw it on the table she went ah! <laughs> fell off the couch on the floor and we paid all of our bills whatever a man sows that shall he also reap so just keep on sowing keep on sowing keep on sowing 
and you shall reap. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. If you need an offering envelope, lift your hand or in the uh, seat in front of you. There's an envelope. Just grab one of those. And uh, if you're writing a check, pay them, make them out to Life Family Church. If you give them by way of debit card or credit card, please fill out that completely. And put that three-digit CVS number on the back. And please fill that out legible so that the accounting department can run that. They don't understand numerology and tongues. They just don't understand speaking in other tongues. Don't sign it like your doctor signs it. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> Get a prescription. What is that? I don't know. He just put his mark on there. Yeah. <laughs> fill all of that out. God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory. When you sow, whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Hallelujah. Are you ready to give? Say yay. All right, lift your offering toward heaven if you would please. Father, we thank you for the gift and the giver. And as we plant seed into the gospel, your word says, whatever we sow, we will reap. So, Father, we're sowing finances into your kingdom to advance the kingdom of God in the earth. And, Father, we thank you that all the bills are paid, all their bills are paid. We thank you that all the church's needs are met. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. Get your hands off of God's people's finances. You are under our feet, and we have the victory over you. So, Father, we thank you for jobs and better jobs. We thank you for pay raises. We thank you for bonuses. We thank you for increase. Father, we thank you that we, we get discounts at stores, discounts online. Father, the favor goes before us. The favor of God is behind us. The favor of God is on us. We're blessed going in and blessed going out, blessed in the city, blessed in our jobs, blessed in our family, so that we can be a blessing to others. And, Father, we love you and we bless you and we thank you for it. Ministering angels, go forth. Influence the wealth of the wicked to be loosed unto the righteous. And we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Ushers, serve the people. Hallelujah. So we have a Word and Spirit conference coming up. Please make plans to attend that. Invite your friends, relatives, and neighbors. Plant City is growing. Yeah, amen. Have you noticed the traffic increase? <laughs> praise God, it is growing. Yeah. And so, this morning, we're going to talk to you about the process of faith, and we're going to tag team together. Praise God. So, you, you, we're going to double up, on the, double up on the Word, double up on the anointing. Can you say amen? Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. This will be our foundational scripture. Don't forget, we have service tonight at 6.30, Holy Ghost time. Don't miss. Don't miss. You know, there are... Certain impartations you can only receive by being in church. Most of the impartations that you get from God come from being in church. There's so many times where we're asking God to do something for us and we're asking God to move on our behalf. And sometimes we miss the Kiros moments in time. You remember when Paul said, wow, there's a lot of me. Mm -hmm. So if we can turn me down a little bit. He said that I desire to see you. This is the man that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. So he knew we were reading his writings. He knew everyone was reading. But he said, I desire to see you that I might impart. So impartation only came through seeing you. Mm -hmm. So that's what pastor's saying, that uh, we have to show up for certain things to receive those impartations and receive those endowments that are different and mm -hmm. additional than just reading the words on the page. In Romans 10... And we're going to pick it up in verse. We're going to pick it up in verse seven. 
Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Now, preaching on faith, you have to be kind of in certain circles to hear the word of faith. Kenneth Copeland, Keith Moore, Brother Hagen. Come on, these guys. Nancy Dufresne. So in general, if you look at the general body of Christ, there's not a lot of messages and a lot of, not a lot of messages that goes forth about faith. But that's the message that we preach. We know this to be true because Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, listen to this, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You cannot please our Heavenly Father without faith. But he that cometh to God must believe that he is, that he exists, and he's a rewarder. Watch this, a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So what does that mean? What do you mean by diligently seeking him? You're meditating on him every single day. I meditate on the Lord every single day. No matter where I'm at, no matter what I'm doing. I'm constantly thinking about the Lord. I'm constantly thinking about the Word of God. I'm constantly endeavoring to hear His voice. It's every single day. Whether i am got a uniform on and, and got a gun on the side of my hip, and I'm at a Ken Sierra pre- preventing drunk people from getting into their cars, or whether I'm on the crusade platform in front of 12,000 people, I'm constantly thinking about God. And we're constantly believing God on a continual basis. Sometimes we get weary in our faith. Faith is simply belief. That's what that is. You're believing God. Belief and faith is in the same thing. Hebrews 11, 1 and 2 says this. Now faith is the substance. In other words, it's got substance to some. The things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for it by the elders obtained a good report. What is the definition of faith? Faith is to persuade, to draw towards, to unite, to believe, to obey without questioning or receiving the facts. That is known as blind faith. Belief is the ascent of the mind dropping down into the heart the truth of what's being declared by another. Resting on the authority and truth of the facts of God's word without any evidence. Faith is believing in a God you cannot see. We cannot see God. I don't know about you. I've never seen God. I've never seen Jesus. I've never seen angels and I've never seen demons. The Bible says, blessed is he that believes and has not seen. Now, faith is something that is hoped for. It's not, I hope so. Well, I hope the Lord will come through for me. Well, I I hope I see you again. No, the word hope is a positive expected outcome. That's what the word hope means. Now, faith or belief is a positive, expected outcome. I expect to get the job I want. I expect to get a pay raise. I expect to pay for a house. I expect to get a new car. Come on, hello, somebody. I expect. That's what hope is. How would we know if you're expecting something? How would I know? I have a coworker next to me in a cubicle. How will I know if that coworker is expecting to get a new car this month? Their mouth. Yeah, so we're saying, well, we're expecting. There's no proof of your expectancy without your mouth. And notice, bump back up to verse 6, and it says, The righteousness which is of faith speaketh. So be like, oh, I'm the righteousness of God. Well, there has to be proof to that. 
So the righteousness, the person in right standing talks. But notice it says speaketh before it says it in your heart. So we want to always proclaim, well, I have faith in my heart. I believe, I believe, I believe. But then we, that's the only speaking we ever do is declare that faith is present. But nobody really knows whether you're telling the truth or not because there's no proof that it's present. How many ever heard anybody tell a lie? I have, I have money and they don't have it. So you saying I have faith, but not declaring what you have faith in happening, not just faith in God. The Bible says have faith in God. That was step one. Okay. What do we have faith in God for the faith heroes hall of fame, men and women, how did they get in the faith heroes hall of fame? They believe number one, that God existed, but that's where most people stop. Then they decided they'd believe that he was who he said he was. That's also where many people stop. But they chose to act like they believed he would do what he said he would do. And they didn't know they were in the Faith Heroes Hall of Fame. We know they're in there. But they just stepped out and they got in the Faith Heroes Hall of Fame. Not for their looks, not for their education, not for their work ethic, and all that is good and fun, but simply because they did something. They said and did something that God said, I call that righteousness. So what is faith? Faith is believing in your heart, that which you have an expectation, a hope of a good outcome, something you cannot see, feel, or yet obtain, and it is on the basis of believing God and His Word. So when God says, by His stripes you were healed. So therefore, out of your mouth, regardless of the symptoms in your body, you're not denying the facts. What you're doing is you're using God's Word to override the facts. You always use God's word to override the facts. You're not in denial of those symptoms that you feel in your body. But you're in faith by saying, by his stripes, I am healed. If I am, then I are, then I were, then I will always be healed. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, and God there dwells in. No weapon that forms against me will prosper. I will run my race. I will finish my course. I will win. So you begin to declare out of your mouth that which you believe in your heart to come to pass because it's based upon hope, which is a positive expected outcome. So if you bump down to verse 8, it says... Romans 10.8. Romans 10.8, it says, what saith it? So it says in verse 6 that faith speaketh. And now it asks you a question, well, what does faith say? It says, the word is nigh thee, even in your mouth and in your heart. Notice again, it's more interested about what's in your mouth. Because we can tell what's in your heart as soon as your mouth opens. So he said, it's nigh you, even in your mouth and in your heart. What? The word of faith. You're like, well, I believe the word of faith. The word, mean, the word here means utterance. In other words, what's in your mouth? The utterance of faith. And so when pastor was telling the story of the offering message, now we always read the Bible about the widow woman who was going to eat her last meal, her last little bit. Of, that was us. Okay, last can of tomato soup. The boys have eaten breakfast and lunch because actually they were on free breakfast and lunch at, at school. And they were still at school when we got out of Bible school. So we're going to eat the last can of tomato soup. So what do we have uh, to act in faith other than, well, we believe God will supply all of our needs. But that's where some people stop. Well, what else can we do? Well, we're going to worship God. Are we going to talk about the problem or are we just going to talk to the one who can solve the problem? But then we did something else that's very profound. You'll want to note this. We got up and we went to work. 
because if you don't work, you don't eat. So even the times that we had no jobs, even the, the years that I was doing hair and I had no clients, I picked up the phone and called people to come in for free. Imagine that. Do you need a haircut? Yes. Then come right down. There'll be no charge because whatever I sewed, I read. So how do you want to excel? I love September. Favorite month of the year, other than October, because I love fall, but we don't really have that here. You need to look at that in pictures. Uh, September is the start of a fiscal year. Fiscal means financial. It's all about finances. So the calendar year runs January to January, and the new year is very exciting. But September is the, ch- the opportunity that you have to start putting your mouth on. That's why we have Word and Spirit Conference. So if there's anything wrong in your fiscal part of your life financial part of your life, September is the perfect month for you to just kick that lack in the you-know-what. In 2 Corinthians 4.18 says this, While we look not to the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are unseen are everlasting and eternal. One of the uh, enemies of faith is fear. Fear of not making it. Fear of not, you know, getting the bills paid. Fear of getting sickness because heart issues are in your family lineage. Fear. Fear is the opposite of faith. Fear is the opposite of faith. What is fear? To feel a painful apprehension of some impending evil. To be afraid of. To consider or expect the emotions with alarm. We fear the approach of an enemy or a storm. We have reason to fear the punishment of our sins. There's a godly fear, and then there's an evil or ungodly fear. Godly fear is good. I have a godly fear of Almighty God because of who He is. Godly fear is reverence. It's respect. It's due regard. To have a reverential awe to venerate. Hebrews 12, 28 says this, Wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we serve God expectantly and with reverence and godly fear. And Psalms 2, 11 says this, Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Psalms 103 verse 11 says, For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. Godly fear is knowledge of God. Proverbs 1 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. What is wisdom? Proverbs 9.10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. In Psalms 19 verse 9 Fear brings cleanliness. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Hatred of evil is found in Proverbs 8.13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy, and the evil way, and a froward mouth do I hate. The fountain of life comes from the fear of the Lord. And and Proverbs 14.27 says, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to to depart from the snares of death. So there's something about the fear of God. I fear God. I know God is real. I may not be able to see God, but I can certainly feel His presence. Because one touch of the anointing of God in your life will prove that God does exist even though you don't see Him. Can you say amen? Okay. Reasons to fear God. These are these. His holiness. He is holy. And He said, be ye holy even as I am holy. And so if He said for us to be holy, then therefore it wouldn't be impossible. Because He asked us to do it just like He was. 
His greatness. Who can fathom the greatness of God? 1 Samuel 12, 24 discusses that. How about His forgiveness? And that He still loves you. Who can fathom the forgiveness of God that we creatures of weakness can make mistakes. We can fall seven times and rise again. Come on, hello somebody. We can make a mistake hour upon hour and we continue to ask for forgiveness. He will continue to forgive us. How many times are we to forgive our brother if they sin against us? Seventy times seven, right? How much is that? How much is seventy times seven? 490 times. So in other words, if somebody offends you in one day 490 times, how many times are you to forgive them? Oh, snap. God help our faith. But why would God hold us to a standard and He Himself not keep that standard? So every time we offend God by falling into sin, hello, and we ask God to forgive us, guess how many times He's got to forgive us in one day? If we fall 490 times, guess what? He's going <laughs> to have to forgive us 490 times. Right. Hallelujah. That's good news. Right. Can you say amen? Let's just talk about holiness for a minute because that's not preached often. And so maybe we have a little bit of lack of understanding. But holiness simply is not perfection. It means to set yourself apart. It doesn't mean that God makes you do something. It, it means that you decide to uh, do something. It's not about the don'ts. Holiness is not about the don'ts. It means you set yourself apart. That's called consecration and dedication. Um, for example, if you were going to go out for the Olympic uh, bobsled team, okay, <laughs> I don't know anything about sports, and uh, you would have to maybe set a few things aside in your life for the amount of training I hear they do. I hear it's a full-time job to train for the Olympics. That's what you do 50, 60 hours a week, whatever sport it is. So it's not about them uh, not doing the don'ts, okay, because we'd say, well, man, they, they, they're not allowed to eat pizza. They're not allowed to do, yeah, there's a whole, maybe a whole list of what you would call the don'ts, but they're focused on the do's because they have a goal. So what they've done is they've consecrated set themselves apart for something that they desire. And that is more important to them than other things that other people might desire. So you, you get to consecrate yourself. God's not going to do it for you. So the holiness, again, is not you telling other people about how unholy they are and correcting everybody else's form. It's about you listening to the Holy Ghost that, that others may, but you may not. Um, so one thing that the Lord asked me to do this week, I had been meditating for a couple weeks on something I didn't want to give up. It may not even be a sin. Remember these, you should be way past whether we're going to give up sin or not. These are about things that aren't helping you run your race at this point, right? That Paul said you need to divest yourself of because they're going to slow you down. So, um, I like to learn and study all the time. And one thing I do in the morning, cause I'm a slow waker, takes me about the first cup of coffee for this slow rise. Anybody with me? Yeah. The second one, you're a little coherent. If you talk to me before, then you can talk to me. I'm not mad at you. But I'm only going to have a 50% or lower retention rate. So you have to repeat yourself, which will probably irritate you. But I warn you, hey, you're okay with me remembering 50%? Talk on. Because it's going to be a glazed overlook. He me? does it all the time. When I wake up, I'm like... This oh is the day word. the Lord yeah. made. Yeah. We'll be glad to be here. Yeah, right into we'll conversation. <laughs> and I'm like, honey, please. And this one here is like, shh. Him and the dog. I'm like, if I don't praise him, babe, the rocks are going to cry out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Silence is golden in the morning. So uh, I use. She's the, the neighbor I curse. <laughs> <laughs> The blessing loud and first thing in the morning is still a curse. Proverbs said it, right? I'm just agreeing with it. 
Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm out there first, and they're invading my world. How many morning. are, this is the day the Lord has made in here? Yeah, yeah like extend your feet. Come on, I want yeah. a hand. I'm going to give you a hand. Come on, yeah. stand up. Come on, stand up. Come on, stand to your feet. If you, if you want to, okay. they, they could all learn from us. Yeah. I'm just going to tell you, the world would be yeah. so boring right. without us. Come yeah. On. And Just he says that. that like it's a bad thing. I, no, I don't get it. Okay, so anyway, um, one thing I do with my coffee every morning is I just first 10, 20 minutes before I get into the Word is, you know, I clear my emails, check uh, things like that, weather, and my, my calendar. And I have this little news app. And this news app just gives me literally world, world news, just the snippets and highlights. I like everything in a bullet point, brief, get to the point. I don't want to hear the volume either. I'm just reading it. And so I scroll through there. But I've noticed in the last several months, it is 100% negative. There's like maybe one out of a thousand good things. And actually, I think it was trying to depress me. And so I said, um, Lord, you know, I don't really want to give that up. He's like, you need to give that up. You need to let it go. And how many of you negotiate with God? I'm not the only one. This is like fun for me. This is how I wake up. I mean, it's not wrong. I mean, now you, why, why is it always me that has to give up everything? How come you can't ask him to give? I mean, you have this long conversation with God that just wasted the whole 20 minutes. And he's still going to be like, yeah, you need to give that up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, we'd been having this discussion inwardly for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I would just do it at night. And then I, in the morning, I'd be like, oh, okay. You know, you override that. You were getting to it, right? <laughs> Working on it, processing it, all those things that are actually sin that we become really good at politically correcting our vocabulary. <laughs> And so I got up the other morning and I just actually was at an appointment. I was sitting there in, in the lobby going through some stuff. And I thought, you know what? Every morning I'm too weak to do this. And so I'm going to do it right now. I just hit the little X and deleted that app. There you go. Now what are you going to do about that? <laughs> you do, I don't have uh, cookies in my house or blueberry Pop-Tarts because I don't know how to do moderation. Because we're going to eat that. If we start eating one, we might as well finish the whole box. Hey, if you're going to live, then live. Paul, the Bible says do all that you do 100% or do it to the glory of God. Since I can't do that to the glory of God, I'm going to do it. So in other words, I don't know how to do moderation. Be honest with yourself. So that was just something uh, that the Lord asked me to remove from before my sight because these things hinder your faith. I'm not saying that you shouldn't watch the news. I'm just telling you what God asked me to do. Why? Because it was not helping me run my race. He needed me to, to segregate, consecrate, be holy in an area unto him so that I could run my race better. Does that help you? Okay, so holiness in your life is about things God wants you to add to your life or things he might want you to leave off because he's got something for you. Amen. So let me, let me give you a, what fear is like. Okay, fear, watch this is an uneasiness of mind. Fear is an uneasiness of mind. So what, how does that look like? Oh no, I'm not going to make it this month. I'm not going to pay my bills. Oh no, what am I going to do? I just don't, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, things are just aren't really well with my spouse. I, I, my kids, oh my gosh, my kids. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. What is, does that get over into worry? Yeah, it's an uneasiness of mind. You know you're in fear when you have uneasiness of mind. Recognize it. The uneasiness of mind, watch this, upon the thought of future evil likely to befall us. It starts with a demonic spirit. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, watch this, of love, and a sound mind. 
People in the world are losing their ever-loving minds. When humanity, listen to this, when humanity lets go of God, they lose two things. One, they lose their marbles, and two, they lose their morals. Do we not see that in our society? People are losing their marbles, and they're losing their morals. Right? So watch this. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Now, how do you get a sound mind? I've been telling this for weeks. This is the only thing that's going to keep you sane. It's right here, this book. Hebrews 4.12 says that the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and the discerner of the heart. Psalms 107 verse 105 says, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 says, We should take the most earnest things to which we hear less than any time we let them slip. Your sanity is based upon the Word of God. The insanity is based upon the world. Listen, when when you get fined $100,000 and maybe up to five years in jail for killing a sea turtle, and in the next moment they're passing laws that you can kill a baby out of the birth canal, you are insane. You have lost your mind. Come on, come on, that's true. You get put in jail for five years and fined $100,000 for killing a sea turtle. But there are states in our union that have passed laws that you can take a vacuum tube to the back of the head of a baby being born in the birth canal and you call it legal? You have lost your mind. You're full of devils. So the only thing that's going to keep humanity sane, is going to keep us sane, is this Word of God. And if you never read it, and you never apply it to your life, you will live a defeated life. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or you're a non-Christian. This is what's going to keep humanity sane. Can you say amen? Amen. So don't let fear overtake your faith. Can you say amen? How many of you have ever been to a 3D movie? And you had to wear the little paper glasses. So if you went into the 3D movie and you didn't have your little paper glasses, you'd be like, what's the big deal? You know, about why did I have to pay 20 bucks out of 10 bucks? You know, I can't see whatever it is that's the big deal. And somebody would be like, well, you got to put those glasses on. In other words, there are a different pair of glasses to see different realms. So the eye of faith has clearer sight than the natural eye mm-hmm. when we're looking at things. But it doesn't because we go, all I'm seeing is that I have one can of tomato soup here. Or I'm seeing the problem. Faith is not a denial of what we're seeing and feeling. That would mean that, that we were um, calling those things that are as though they're not instead of calling those things that be not as though they were. That would be a backwards lifestyle, and that mm-hmm. doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And so we have to put the glasses of faith on. And so I like synonyms, synonyms and antonyms. A synonym for faith is trust. An antonym for faith is distrust. So when you have one can of tomato soup or whatever it is in front of you, yeah, you feel hungry and you can see that. But the eye of faith says, I can see what God said more than what I see. And I choose to believe him. I don't know how I'm going to eat dinner. We don't, and, and we have a job and you knew the job was under $25. Uh, that that's all you're, that's not enough. I mean, that might be enough to get dinner. 
But it's supernatural for someone you don't even know to hand you their own gas card and to trust you that you're not going to fill up your gas tank more often than that. And so that was a supernatural provision. And so the faith is just the decision. God, I don't have to know how it's going to get done. Or sometimes what we try to tell God is, well, this is the way you should do it. And this is the person you should do it through. How's that working for us to give God instructions on anything? Yeah. Or we think it's not working because we're not seeing it as if we're, again, measuring God's performance in our life by what we're seeing and feeling. So you're not denying what you're seeing and feeling, but you're going to have to remind yourself to put on a different pair of glasses. And the proof that we had different glasses on that you have to have every day is just, I'm going to worship you, Jesus. There's my glasses. I'm just going to see that what goes on in the kingdom of heaven, you said was supposed to go on in earth. So all I can do is stand here and call it down here because right now it's not here working. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to stand here and worship you while I'm vacuuming this carpet or scrubbing it or whatever he was doing until what is in heaven manifests on earth because that's what you said should be done. So I'm just going to agree with you. Mm -hmm. And then we ate. And you know what was the best thing ever? There was a Snickers bar in the box. (laughs) (laughs) The book of Romans chapter 8 verse 13 says this, for you have not received a spirit of bondage again to fear. Fear causes bondage. Fear will stop you from tithing. Fear will stop you from believing God and not trusting Him. Fear that you're not going to have enough. Ungodly fear is this, not trusting God. That's it, not trusting God. If you look back at the tough times when you were tithing and you were giving offerings and things like that, how God brought you through time and time and time and time and time again. But then when you stopped, suddenly things started piling up. Debt started piling up. Bills weren't being paid on time. I mean, I don't know about you, but there is a certain time where you stop letting the birds nest in your hair. Those that have hair, praise God, amen. You open up an umbrella because you're tired of getting wet when it rains. Come on, hello, somebody. So you have to understand, not trusting God. Fear looks at circumstances instead of God who delivers you out of circumstances. Fear looks at the storms of life and not to the one who calms the storms of life. Fear comes from terror, being afraid of something. Fear can cause worry, anxiety, stress, and even death. The Bible talks about in the last days, men's hearts failing them from fear. Fear is the opposite of faith. How do you know if you have faith? Watch this. You'll have joy and peace in what you're believing. Romans 15, 13 says this. You have joy and peace in believing. Believing and faith is the same. So you know you're in faith is when you have joy and peace. You know you're in fear and not having faith is when you have anxiety, stress, fret. It comes against your mind. An expected evil to befall upon you. Oh, come on, I'm helping somebody here. So no matter what situation you're in right now, whether it's physically, emotionally, financially, maritally, is fear interfering? Or are you in faith? Do you have peace and joy? Peace and joy gives you the hope. Come on now, gives you the hope of a positive expected outcome. Peace and joy. Somebody say peace and joy. Yeah, when you have peace and joy, you know you're in faith. You're believing God. Now, we've been talking about some things recently, and we've been asking to, for God to give us an answer on some things. And as of today, which has been a few weeks, He hasn't said anything. 
And I remember Brother Hagin said this. He said, God says just as much in him not answering you than when he answers you. I thought, okay. So if we're not getting an answer, so we're going to keep on going and keep on doing what we're doing. Can you say amen? Until we get an answer. So therefore, I have peace and joy about that. Before I was having fret. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? How are we going to do this? How are we going to, how's that going to happen? How we, we need this. We need that. How's that going to happen? Going, <laughs> no, just like you. Come on, hello, somebody. Amen. So I've lost my peace and joy. Come on now, because I'm now fretting over the issues. So I've got to line myself back up with peace and joy. And if God's not speaking, then therefore you just keep on going. You don't change anything. You just keep on moving forward. You keep on going. until Because listen, He knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly how to find you. And He knows exactly what to say to you when you do say it. Right? And if He doesn't say anything on the situation, just keep on barreling. Pass the squirrel. Pass the, pass the sneakers on the line. Come on, hello somebody. You just keep on barreling, right? Yeah. You know, the word says, um, don't be weary in well-doing and don't faint in due season. And then we always go, well, when's due season? Remember these words forever. It's always when you don't give a rip anymore. Yeah. When you have decided that, hey, if we eat our last can of soup or whatever and we die, Hebrews eleven thirteen says they died in faith. And we're like, oh. If you're, there is a right and wrong way to die. When you die, every one of you, whether it's this afternoon or 30 years from now, you should be dying in faith. You should have things you were believing God for that did not happen in your lifetime because you were a faith person. You didn't have just faith projects and faith moments and, and faith financial uh, targets. You were, you the just lived by faith. You had a lifestyle. So you were believing for yourself and others and you had so many things you were believing God for, your earth life wasn't enough to fulfill it because there's a life to come. So do just keep on believing. And that's what pastor is saying is we, we get an anxiety sometimes, all of us about even when we don't have answers from God, but you forget that you're in the military and God doesn't have to answer you. He's not, just because he doesn't answer, he's not ignoring. There are times when my kids ask me a question and I wanted to think on it. Hmm. Mostly wanted to think about how not to get, slap them right then for the, the question. Because I'm going to think on diplomacy here. Um, so you may be on the other side of the person. I, may be, I don't have a shortage of answers, but I might have a shortage of diplomacy. Some people, you had a lot of diplomacy, but no answers. Neither one's right or wrong. Just which side of the coin are you on? Mm-hmm. And so uh, God, he's, uh, may, sometimes he says as much by what he doesn't say. Mm-hmm. And because he's a general and he has papers, if you're already in his will, then you don't go AWOL absent without leave. You keep on barreling. I'm, he's not talking about barrel on in your sin. Barrel on in the will of God because usually why you want an answer is because the situation has become painful, hard, boring, and not fun. Because somebody told you, and it wasn't God or me, that it was supposed to be fun. And I'm still looking for that scripture. Daniel Kalinda made a very powerful statement. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong on this exact. He said this, the moment you remove yourself from under spiritual authority is the moment the power of God will diminish in your life. Isn't that what he said? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the moment you remove yourself out from under, and he gave the verse, a Roman centurion came to Jesus and he said, I'm a man under authority. So he actually recognized Jesus being under authority, which was God's authority. Come on, hello somebody. 
Amen. So the moment we remove ourselves from under spiritual authority is the moment that God's power in our lives will begin to diminish. Faith That, that kind of struck me yeah. pretty hard. It diminish yeah. your faith. That's yeah. what he diminish. was trying to say. You won't have the faith you need to complete your assignment. Okay, what are, the, what are the steps of faith? What is faith? Go to Hebrew, Mark chapter 11, verse 23, 22, 23, and 24. Very, very famous scripture on, on faith. And we're, we're almost finished, so hang in there with us. Mark eleven twenty two. We're going to see what Jesus has to say about this. Mark eleven twenty two says this, and Jesus answering said to them, "Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever, how many whosoever's do we have in here, shall say unto the mountain, how many have you got some mountains in your life? Okay, watch this. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he saith. Wherefore I say to you, what things soever you desire, how many has desires in here? What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and then... You will have them. Is that what it says? And you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive. And if you have aught against any, that your Father in heaven, which is also, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive you your trespasses. So there's a couple things that are here. One, saying is a big one. And forgiving. So that your faith will work. So, if you're want to see something to take place. Like say, for example, you need a new car because the car you're having, you're using extra faith to keep it going. <laughs> Praise God. So what do you do? Go to the car dealership. Get a brochure on it. Drive the car you'd like to have. Take the brochure and say, tell the salesman, I'll, I'll be back probably in about 90 days or so. Take the car, put it on your refrigerator. Every time you walk by, I receive that in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. I get it. That's, my, that's one of the things I desire. You know, sometimes what will happen is this, is that your life is just, you're going along and because God is so good, He'll just bless you right out of your mess. It's the goodness of God that brings people to repentance. So if we got issues in our life and we're stumbling and we're falling, He's like, hey, 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 yo, Jesus, what do you think? Yeah, Father, go ahead and just bless them. And then he'll just bless you out of nowhere, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, why, how did I just get blessed? And then another blessing comes. And then all of a sudden, then another blessing comes, and you're thinking, oh my gosh. Well, and then you, you start beating yourself up. Forget about Satan. You'll start, I don't really deserve this. I, you know, I'm not living right. I'm not doing these things. And God says, let me bless you some more. And then all of a sudden, you realize, my God, I'm so blessed. Why would I want to hurt myself or hurt God by staying in sin? And all of a sudden, you're just like, I don't need that. Because God's goodness is greater than Satan's temporary pleasures. Let me say that one more time. God's goodness is greater than Satan's temporary pleasures. That's an awesome, awesome thing. So if you look at the scripture, it says this three times to say, two times 
to believe and one time doubt. So sometimes you have to start speaking to your circumstances. I know that sounds crazy. I mean, let me ask this. Besides anybody besides me, you're, down, you're, you're driving down the road and there's nobody in the car and you're talking to God and people are looking at you yes. while you're talking to God. <laughs> are they talking to themselves? Yeah. Well, maybe you ought to talk to yourself. If Smith Wigglesworth made this statement, he said, I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. Come on now. So start talking. You don't like, your, you don't like the way your bank account's going? Speak to it. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 says that money answers all things. So if money speaks, start speaking to it. Get over here. Get in my bank account now in Jesus' name. Start, start speaking to it. If money answers all things, get over here. Well, who are you talking to? I'm talking to you. Money cometh into my bank account. Amen. Well, do I have a right to enter? Yes. Yeah. Well, what gives me the right? I'm a tither and I give offerings. Amen. What are you going to do about that? <laughs> Hello, come on, somebody. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. I bind every ache, pain, crick, squeal, squeak in the name of Jesus. Come on, hello, somebody. Amen. Goldbladder, hey, hey, hey. Straighten up. Work properly. Plumbing, work properly. Listen, that's a bad day when your plumbing backs up in your house. That's a, that's, a, that's a very bad day. Take a Holy Ghost plunger called the Word of God and apply it to your plumbing and see what happens. <laughs> this is a great enema right here. I'm going to tell you right now. Start speaking to your mountain. Start speaking to your circumstances. Start speaking to your job. Start speaking. If you have an issue with your spouse, start speaking to God about them or about her. They serve God with all your heart. Father, I thank you that my husband, he serves God. My husband goes to church. My husband is a spiritual leader. My husband reads his word. My husband prays with me at night. Oh, Father, and not you nagging them. Not you. Go to God. Let God deal with them. As a matter of fact, let God deal with you. Joyce Meyer made this statement. I mean, I mean, who Dave and Joyce Meyer are. Okay, so watch this. Joyce was upset with David for some whatever reason. I don't know. So she went to God on behalf of David. Lord, I'm just praying for David right now that he just totally lines up. He's just, he's just not doing right. And suddenly God spoke to Joyce. He said, Joyce? He said, yes, sir. Repeat after me. Lord, she goes, Lord, change Change me. What you talking about? I ask you to change Dave. Change that man. Change him. Change him. No, no, no. Let me change you. Because the moment you give me permission to change you, it automatically changes him because the two are one. The two are one. Amen. I'm helping somebody here today. Just that, if you remember any of that, that's probably what you remember the most out of the service. Lord, change me. Change me. You change my husband while you're at it too. But change me. Change my wife while you're at it. Come on. Hello, somebody. So will that work with uh, someone you're not married to? Maybe you think you have a problem with your boss. Or maybe you, have, you think you have a problem with your neighbor. And notice I'm using the words you think. <laughs> um, Jesus said, don't talk about the mountain. Talk to the mountain. And so if we were to tell the truth, we would all admit that we are the mountain in our own lives. Because you the boss. 
And so the fastest way for you to change a circumstance is to change you. Because then you've changed the circumstance by at least one of the parties, the only party that you're authorized to control. So that may, you may not feel like it and go, God, why is it always me that has to change and not anybody else? Well, if we just think, God, thank you that it's always me that gets to change. That way I don't have to suffer in the circumstance for other people's crazy decisions. Because other people's choices and decisions do not change the call or plan of God on your life. Just your response to that. So that's why he wanted us to talk to it. And the word saith there... And the Greek actually means break the silence. And I don't think we, we're breaking the silence as much as God asked us to. I think we're breaking the silence talking about the problem. I think we're, we're listening to other people's mouths break the silence about all the problems in the earth. All the problems in the news, all the problems on Facebook, all the problems on Instagram. But I think our own mouths have gone too silent. So it takes me a lot of time during the day to do a lot of talking. So that means I have to turn off the radio, shut off the news, because it's time for me to lay forth and break silence o- over mountains in my life. And that means I can't be around a lot of people because it's done in the car because you don't want to be put in a straitjacket, or it's done in your house or when you're in the shower. Hours a day breaking silence. And a lot of that is, Jesus, I worship you. What am I doing? I'm breaking the silence. I am moving mountains that I don't even have to identify. And you know what I've learned? There are, there's a whole mountain range ahead of me in my life. I'm only 51. And the mountain range goes as far as the eye can see. So I've got a lot of mountains to move. So if I don't even have one today to be specific about, let's get in front of it. Mm-hmm. You are creating your world with your words. You because God created the world with his. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And he also said, there is life and death in the power of your tongue. So you are creating your world. We're all doing it by our words. If you're saying that we can't afford it, we can't afford it, we can't afford it, guess what? You're going to be able to afford it. I can't ever seem to get ahead. Everybody's trying to put me down. Guess what's happening? You can't get ahead. You're being put down. You're cre- we are all creating our world with our words. Folks, let me, if you, anything, listen to this. You are creating your world with your words. Somebody said something to me the other day on the phone. It was a minister, and um, it, it was a fun thing. Uh, and I just said, if you say so, it's a good answer. Like, I'm not going to answer that. It's not my thing to answer. If you say so, whatever you say. Because that's the truth. And so if you're trying to help yourself and you just say something, go, that's what you want? Because that's what you just built. You just added a shovel full of dirt to the mountain. <laughs> Taking a shovel full of dirt away. So we have to really get, get firm with ourselves about what God said. And that's why actually in the King James, it says, say four times and believe once. Why? Because it would maybe be easy to believe in your heart and just go, I have warm fuzzies. I believe. <laughs> and for you to get to say. Let me, let me say this to you too. Be careful what you hear. Because you may be hearing partial truths and thinking that it's the whole truth. You have to be very careful. Some of the snippets that are coming across Facebook of some, it's not completed sentences and it's not completed truth. It's like, it's like that I think I heard something to the effect of something like this. That if you're worrying about something and you got anxiety about something, then that which you're worrying about, just pray about it because it's on God's heart. Like, that ain't true. I was like, that ain't true at all. That's not what the Bible says. 
No, and the Bible says, cast your cares on the Lord, for I care for you. He says, be anxious for nothing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Right? Come on now. Casting your care. Casting your thought life on the Lord, because he cares for you. Casting down vain imaginations. Don't worry. I thought, my God, and people were like, like, oh, that's so true. I, I, I withheld myself. I did not comment. I, I restrained myself on that. Come on, hello, somebody. I restrained myself. But it was a partial truth. It wasn't the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God. Yeah. Amen? So you have to be very careful of these little snippets that tickle the ears and go, yeah, God's all up in my worry. What I worry about is really on his heart. Deception <laughs> is when you think God thinks like you. He said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. But he didn't say that we couldn't have right. his thoughts, and he didn't say that we couldn't know his ways. Yeah. He wasn't complimenting us. He was like, come on up. Keep it coming up, right? Got, let's bring it up higher. In other words, your thoughts are down there. Mine are here. But if you'll exchange yours for mine, then you can live up here. It's called the great exchange. And we, in this country, we're actually paid for our opinions, not helping anybody. Your $5 that you get in the mail for your opinion poll, um, not worth it. Yeah. Because it teaches us to be overly awed with what we think and feel about things. And we don't stop and measure them against the word of God. So just because you're worried about something, that's not, not on God's heart. God asked you to dismiss that. And in place of that, he asked you to pick up what was on his heart. And that was souls. Mm -hmm. He's got thoughts. And sometimes they're, they're not ours. Yeah. Many times. Yeah, yeah. So are you getting anything out of this this morning? Are you being yeah. helped? So start applying, applying you know, to your circle. Make the change. Make yeah. the change with your words. Make the change with your faith. Faith and belief is the same. Your faith is an inexhaustible it. subject. And like Pastor said earlier, there, there's no, no subject in the word that we could discuss without faith. Because if we talk about healing, are you going to get it without faith? If we talk about getting married or relationships or finances or, or the next job, are we going to get any of that that we're desiring without discussing the method in which we receive it, which is faith? So there's nothing that we, can, we can't come to God. The commerce of heaven is faith. The commerce of the earth is money, but the commerce, so we can't conduct business of any kind uh, with heaven without faith. So there's nothing that we can go, okay, we've preached on faith enough. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> there isn't anything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we all fall into this because we can sit here and listen to this work, to these words. Yeah. But then when we go out and have to face this, this world yeah. that's really messed up and then we're facing our own circumstances. Come on now. Yes. That's where the rubber hits the road. You know, you know, and maybe we just need to maybe repent for letting some of this slip in our lives and then just kind of get back on track because we've all let it slip. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to read one more thing to you and then we'll dismiss. Praise God. The works of faith. The works of faith subdued kingdoms, brought righteousness and justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched fire, escaped swords, was made strong when weak. Waxed valiant in fight, put armies to flight. Women had children resurrected, endured tor torturing, endured mockering and imprisonment, suffered stonings, endured death by sawing. Did you know they sawed a prophet in half? That's a bad day right there. What happened to you? Get to heaven. What happened? You told him, telling Peter, was how, how was you crucified, Peter? I was crucified upside down. What happened to you? So they do it. I ain't got nothing. I was sawed in half. 
By faith. Yeah, absolutely by faith. Suffered temptations. Suffered martyrdom by the sword. Suffered wanderings and afflictions. Faith results. Abel's faith's worship. Enoch, faith's walk. Noah's faith's work. Abraham's faith, obedience, and faith tests. Sarah's faith in reckoning. Moses' faith in declaration, fearlessness, and protection. Israel's faith, preservation, and faith's miracle. Rahab, faith's deliverance. Gideon's faith's miraculous victory. Barak, faith's triumph. Samson's faith, physical strength. Jephthah's faith of boldness. David's faith in utterance of reliance. Samuel's faith in integrity. So you look through all the individuals. They all live by faith, and we live by faith too. We live by believing God. Can you say amen? Amen. Come on, stand to your feet if you would. Thank you for joining us this week. It's our honor to serve you and be part of your walk with Christ. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net. Have a blessed week. And remember, the best is yet to come.